0: It's Friday the 20th of May, and this is the Climate Alarm Clock. In this week's headlines, the WMO State of the Climate Report 2021 shows that key indicators are trending in the wrong direction. But there is some good news here at home. The Irish Citizens' Assembly on Biodiversity had its first session, and public transport fares are reduced for the first time in 75 years. Also coming up, we continue our Book of Leaves collaboration, when Cara gets some tips on listening from Amy O'Brien. We hear from Birdwatch Ireland about swifts, one of our favourite birds of summer, and I find out what connecting cabra is all about. Hello and welcome to the Climate Alarm Clock, your weekly climate news podcast. I'm Anna Pringle. Dara is not with us this week, but we have our usual mix of climate stories. If you like the work we're doing, make sure to tell a friend or share your favourite feature of ours on social media. Tag us on Instagram or Facebook at Climate Alarm Clock or on Twitter at The Climate Alarm. So, Dara is somewhere on a ferry or train on his way to London for some well deserved time off, but he has trusted myself and Kira Daly to talk about the news this week.
1: Welcome. (laughs) Welcome, Kira. Look, I'm losing control of myself. I can't even wait for you to welcome me. We're just free, free of his control. (laughs) I'm
0: feeling a lot of responsibility here. I have to say that we don't mess it up for Dara. I don't. Um, (laughs) 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 So, how are you today? I know you're in lovely Donegal,
1: you lucky thing. Oh, I am actually really, really good, uh, Anna. So, thank you. How about yourself? Not too bad at all. hanging in anyway, so we've got a bit to talk about. So that's sure good. We do, we sure do. There was a heavy week last week and I have been going through this emotional regrowth, but I am <laughs> restored and ready for this week. I'm ready to take on the climate Excellent. again. Excellent. And I know you've been having some um
0: correspondence with our friend Bernard from BP, so we'll be talking about that in a while. Yeah. I'm looking forward to catching up on that. He has um, been putting but- the
1: moves on me, Anna <laughs>
0: pen pals now Kira. that's great um okay so to get a little bit more serious where is Dara when we need him um so we talked about the WMO last week which is the World Meteorological Organization and this week after all they gave us bad news last week and this week they released their annual state of the global climate report for 2021 So they have identified that four critical climate indicators set new records in 2021 and unfortunately all in the wrong direction. What did the report
1: actually say, Anna?
0: Yeah, so it's a very thorough report and they look at all of the stats and indicators, but they identified four particular indicators that have hit records in 2021. So the first one is uh, greenhouse gas concentrations reached a new global high in 2020 and then continued to increase in 2021. Um, So that's just how much greenhouse gas there is in the atmosphere. Ocean heat already also hit a record high. So they've measured the heat in the ocean, in the upper part of the ocean, and it's continued to warm and it's expected it will continue to warm in the future. And that heat is getting to ever deeper levels in the ocean. And then ocean acidification is also at a record high. And that's, as it sounds, how acidic the ocean is. And that's because the ocean is absorbing the CO2 from the atmosphere, which then reacts with seawater and
1: makes the ocean more acidic. That's actually something I haven't heard of until today, the The ocean becoming acidic.
0: So, yeah, so the oceans absorb around 23% of the annual emissions of CO2 to the atmosphere. Okay. And what happens is, if you think about it, the CO2 goes down and you think about chemistry, interacts with the water, reacts with the water, and the water becomes... More acidic. If you put enough CO2 in, it eventually becomes very acidic. So, what's happening now is the amount of CO2 that's going into the ocean, I think of the size of the ocean, right? How much water is in there. Yeah. But the amount of CO2 that it's absorbing is making it more acidic. So, what happens with that is that threatens life in the oceans, uh, it threatens ecosystems in the oceans because not all forms of life can live in more acidic. Water, yeah, so, of course, yeah. So that's that's a that's a big issue, and and the oceans have actually been saving the planet from the worst effects of global warming because they've been absorbing so much of the CO two. But they over time will lose their capacity to absorb it from the atmosphere. So the, there's big big issues with all of that, and it's not a record that we like to see that the ocean is becoming more acidic.
1: No, definitely not. So there was um there was four. Was there? Yes. Yeah. So the fourth one, again, about the sea,
0: um, is that sea level has reached a new record high in 2021 as well. So, you know, we've talked before about um, how sea levels will rise as the seas get warmer and that is happening. And it's increasing at an average 4.5 millimetres per year, which is double the rate of increase between 1993 and 2002. Yeah. Yeah. So in the last seven years, we've doubled the rate of increase of sea level rise. That's pretty crazy. uh, That is pretty crazy. And obviously that has a lot of impacts for all of
1: us. Yeah. So in the report, the WMO were attributing um, various impacts as being the day to day face of the climate emergency. And that was a term that I really liked in a weird way because I kept thinking like, how do I look at climate change? They went on to obviously explain what those impacts were. Would you be able to tell us a little bit more about them?
0: Yeah, I mean, so I I like that phrase as well, because too often we act as if it's something that's happening in the future. Yeah. Or, you know, it's going to happen in 2050 or 2100 or whatever. But actually, they have identified, as they said, the day-to-day impacts and they can point to um, hundreds of billions of dollars in economic losses in 2021 from from weather impact. Um, And that's things like um, extreme heat waves that we saw in North America last year. We're seeing one right now in India and Pakistan as well. And actually there's a heat wave coming into Europe in the next week predicted as well. Um, So it's things like that. It's things like flooding. Flooding causes an awful lot of damage. Um, So there's examples, they gave examples of some of the, impacts that they've seen. Um, So flooding, for example, caused just in in Henan province of China last year, caused $17 billion of damage. And then in Germany, I don't know if you remember remember the floods in Germany last year where we saw basically villages nearly getting washed away. They caused, they estimate they costed around $20 billion of damage. And that's not counting the loss of life. Yeah. You know, and so on the other end of the extreme, from flooding, you've got drought. So you've got extreme drought now in East Africa that's threatening the lives of people with famine. Um, and you've got drought in more closer to home in Spain and France that's threatening crops. So there's all, you know, so those are yeah. all of the real real impacts that are happening right now. So what did you call them? The day-to-day impacts? The The day-to-day face face of the climate emergency
1: is what they described it as. And it was like a correlation that I kind of felt, but I didn't know how to express it. And I know it's a really, really simple term, but it actually just really gave me a lot of relief to hear that because I was like, when I look at those things, I know that they are related, but I don't know how. And it's that simple term that allows me to make that connection. And actually saying the day-to-day face humanises it as well. Yeah. So, I mean, I just I actually
0: gave you a lot of economic indicators, but the face of climate change are the people yeah. that are suffering from floods and heat waves and possibly famine and so on. Yeah, so that's so it's, it is a nice way to put it, makes it real for us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. So I'm sure this is being communicated across the country today. Ha, huh, well...
0: I was actually very heartened to see that it was the lead news item on RTE Radio News. The 9 o'clock news had it led with it and George Lee was on you know throughout the day. The 1 o'clock news had a big feature as well and interestingly the 1 o'clock news also talked about this report and then led into a feature about impending famine in East Africa Mm -hmm. and linked the two which was good to see. So that was good. RTE did a good job yesterday. I looked at All of the front pages of every newspaper I could find today to see how it was showing up. And Kira, I couldn't find it on one front page. Not even, it wasn't a lead story, but it wasn't even below the fold. It wasn't even, you know, inside we have. Not one front page could I find it on.
1: Yeah, that's pretty disappointing to say and not least. just in
0: ireland by the way because yeah. i looked at the finance i looked at the financial times i looked at the guardian which is usually the best on these things and i looked at the new york times it was not a front page item on any of those
1: it is really just dis- uh disappointing that you have to work so hard to find this information when it is something that is so so serious but i guess that's essentially why the climate alarm clock is here because rather than just sit back and <laughs> feel despair about it we kind of want to help people who are like ourselves that want to learn more about it and be informed it is so heavy but there is yep. a weird kind of satisfaction you get from having the information but
0: also you have to we have to also keep in mind that there's still plenty that can be done and um, like the UN Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez he talked about this report and he said look there's Five actions that can really jumpstart the renewable energy transition. Renewable energy is the key. We have to have greater access to it. We have to, he said, triple private and public investment in renewables. We have to end subsidies on fossil fuels. Mm -hmm. And and he said subsidies on fossil fuels amount to about $11 million per minute. Wow. Yeah, so think about that. $11 million a minute subsidies... To generate fossil fuels to warm the planet.
1: Wow, that is insane. Okay, I was not <laughs> expecting that figure.
0: Yeah, we'll come back to that when we talk about Bernard in a while, I think. Um I
1: leave Bernard alone.
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs> so that's so so there's plenty to be done. So yeah. it's not you know, but it's important that we do know what's happening and what the indicators are, but there is plenty to be done.
1: Yeah, yeah. And the first step is kind of informing ourselves, I guess. So in terms of a positive perspective. I think our next story is a good news story, is it, Anna?
0: Yeah. So we, have, you know, we had a bit of a heavy discussion last week and then these indicators are heavy as well. So yeah. uh, we kind of thought it was important to remind ourselves that there are some good things going on too that we should focus on. Yeah. Um, and so these are all close to home. And the first one to mention is that the Biodiversity Citizens Assembly got started last Saturday. And I know we're big fans of Citizens Assemblies on this programme. because, (laughs) well at least Dara is so I'm speaking for him Um, but the Citizens Assembly is made up of 99 randomly selected Irish citizens and they are going to spend six months on various weekends really understanding our biodiversity and the loss of our biodiversity and it's the first assembly anywhere in the world that's focusing on that so it's going to be it's an opportunity for Ireland to provide leadership because it's going to be watched very carefully what they come up with So, and the key question that they're addressing is, how can the state improve our response to biodiversity loss? So, so I think it's very positive that that's getting started and the answers are going to be complex. But it's also positive because, you know, the way we were always saying, well, what can we do? Well, they're inviting people all over the country to get involved. They're looking for submissions from organisations and from individuals. And I know from previous citizens' assemblies, they will consider and they will collate every single submission. So... If you have something you think is really important to you from a biodiversity point of view, send in a submission. They'll pay attention to it.
1: Perfect. So how do you like I love this because that's my thing is always like when I'm uncomfortable with the news, I'm like, what can I do? So this is a brilliant thing um, to be able to do. So how? So where can we go and actually put in our submission? How do we do that? So www.citizensassembly.ie
0: and what you'll find there is a record of all the meetings and all the presentations and uh, there's also a button to send in a submission if you want to so everything they heard that they ha- what happens is they all get together in a room they have presentations and discussions and they're streamed online as well so you can watch back everything that was said last week as well if you wanted to do that
1: brilliant so the submissions are something that i've actually recently started getting into doing and i would say if it's someone is listening who is like, oh, that sounds very serious. It's not. It's really easy to do. Just go in. Like, it's a really good way for, to have your voice heard. Just go in, answer whatever questions you can. If there's something you don't feel like you know can't answer, then don't answer it. Like, don't let that put you off doing going through the full process. And don't think like, oh, I have to use all this, like, academic language. Just write in your own words. And when you hit that submit button, it's a great feeling to be like, wow, I did my little piece there. So... If, uh, like Dara, birds is something you care about, go on and
0: <laughs> get involved. You know, even just the volume of submissions matters because it shows that people care.
1: Yeah, there's a series. Yeah, like even if you only had one or two words, they're able to say, you know, we had all these extra people. So that's a great kind of way for them to show the importance of what they're doing. Yeah. And like an example, actually, of how those things work is
0: a small example, but I think a positive one. Um, Capel Street in Dublin is now going to be car free. Brilliant. And that is because people overwhelmingly voted for it to be car free. Good work, people. But I don't know if you know Cable Street, Ciara. They During COVID, they opened up some of it to be pedestrianised as part of the COVID measures. And it transformed the street. It's a lovely old street. Lots of character. Yeah. Lots of great shops. Lots of um, new sort of alternative restaurants and stuff. And it's just come to life when it was pedestrianised.
1: There's such a brilliant vibrancy that comes with pedestrianisation. And it's such a simple step to take. So yeah, that's great news. I mean, I absolutely have no idea about Capel Street, where it is, what it looks like, but I'm delighted for them.
0: (laughs) Well, well, the next time you're in Dublin, we'll take a stroll down there, and we can we can uh, show show the shopkeepers that there will still be people coming to Capel Street. Oh, brilliant! Because there are no cars.
1: Looking forward to it, Anna. And I think you have one more. Well, like we're losing the run of ourselves today with the positivity, Anna. You have one more good news story (laughs) up your sleeve.
0: Yeah, and so this one is about public transport fares. So they have been reduced by 20% in Ireland for the first time in 75 years. There's been a reduction and it's on local buses, bus errands, trains, etc. And so, you know, I I think that's great and gives us all an opportunity to use public transport more. It's only till the end of the year, but it's still good news. And the more we like it, the more likely it is that it'll be reduced more. And it'll last longer. It would
1: be brilliant if people really kind of took up using that opportunity and then it just really increases the likelihood that it continues. Yeah. So, our last our last story. Uh, it's not really a... Well, it is a story. It's a follow-up from our story last week about <sighs> carbon bombs. We're, we're taking a turn for the worst. <laughs> so, Kira, you took some action after our story
0: last week. We were, we were talking about our friend Bernard Looney. Who is the CEO of BP, one of the biggest oil companies and one of the top carbon bombers? And you took it upon yourself to get in touch with Bernard, I believe.
1: I did, Anna. I did. Um, look, so
0: tell me what happened.
1: L- last week was like a really big kind of experience, let's call it that. Like, I just came in before we came in, uh, before we recorded our podcast. So we record our podcast every Thursday, and I read the article about the carbon bombs in the morning and I was just absolutely baffled and to be honest I felt like I was being gaslighted into thinking this wasn't a big deal because it wasn't being reported on. There was a kind of a lack of urgency around the topic and then I spoke to you and Dara and I was like okay now I feel justified because this is a real crazy story. I feel like like my freaking out is justified. I feel angry and I yep. I need to do something with that. So I messaged Bernard Looney. So I felt really like stirred on by my anger. And so I was like, I have to do something. I don't know how to get into a big challenging debate with Bernard Delooney about this. And then I thought to myself, well, you don't have to just use the language that you have, use the information that you have. So I dropped him the most simple line. I said, hi, Bernard, just after reading this, I dropped him the link to the article. And then I just asked, I just mentioned I'd like to see BP taking drastic action and doing their part to stop um, the carbon bombing. And left it at that. And the sense of relief that I got from it was just like, I know I'm not going to shut down Shell and I'm not going to shut down BP by that by that small message. But I was like, at least I'm doing something with the tools that I have. And this is where I'm at now. um, So yeah, it just was, I mean, it was a small, small sense of relief. But I took it. um, And since then, I've just been trying to get my head around this whole oil thing um honestly it it has been like a really hard story to process it um i just like in terms of Why is there such a resistance to change? Like that story last week is absolutely insane. And I don't think I'll ever not have that emotion about it. And then it's the thought on the other hand of like, why are other people not reacting like me? Why are they not getting angry? Why are they not getting upset? Why are the people involved in these organisations not having a moral dilemma and breaking down and thinking? Like on Thursday evening, We finished that story and I, or afternoon, we finished that story and I felt fine. And then literally that evening, I had the biggest freak out. I was sitting there. I own my own business. I work in marketing. My job is literally to sell things for clients. And I was sitting there and I thought, what the hell am I doing? Like, what am I doing? I'm wasting my time. And I had to ring Dara and I had to just like get it all out. And thankfully, he was like, yeah, this is just something that happens and so then I had to just sit in my discomfort for the evening and it was so uncomfortable and I just thought I'm a really small fish (laughs) how are these CEOs and leaders I'm doing air quotes for people that can't see me how are they not having this heart attack that I am having because what they are doing versus what I am doing like it's just yeah it just didn't compute with me so I've gone off on a massive rant bring me down Anna (laughs)
0: So it's a really interesting question to think about. Does Bernard Looney or people like him, do they stay awake at night wondering about what they're doing to the planet? Yeah. And I don't know the answer to that. And I think, I mean, I don't doubt his sincerity around being committed to the transition. If you look at the BP yeah. website, it's all about transition, net zero, et cetera. If you listen to him talking, he comes across very sincere about it. But at the same time, while he's doing that, at the same time, they're releasing carbon bombs, they're taking fossil fuel subsidies, they're exploring new oil fields. So there's a big disconnect there. Yeah. And, a, and a, you know, cognitive dissonance is what they call it in psychology.
1: And, and I don't know how they do it. But I actually have sympathy for these people because I think in order, that for me last week was really... Inten- like not intense but I had to sit in the discomfort in order to go through come out the other side and realise okay no you can't like there is, there is this kind of two-fold view of it I can't change Like I can't just shut down my business today I have a responsibility to my clients and you know if and I have to make an income but I do have a long I do no I have a short-term plan of how my business we don't work with businesses who are not in like who don't share our values in terms of protecting the environment, who are not working towards doing business better. We just don't take them on. I don't want, because for my own conscience, I can't do that. And that I think is where annoyance or my anger with these businesses comes in because they're giving all the spiel of like, we're doing all of this, we're doing all of that, but they're not, you know, that's all well and good, but you're not prioritising the one thing that needs to be done, in which is stop Pulling yeah. fossil fuels out of the planet. And it was that thing for me. I was like, this is, so why I feel sorry for them is because that process for me to sit in that discomfort is a lot shorter because the harm that I'm doing is a lot less.
0: I don't know about feeling sorry for them because they're doing very well for themselves. They're in the top 1%, all of that. I think oil companies today are like, they're like tobacco companies. Yeah. No matter what they say and they can rationalise and have positive messages and all that. But no matter what they say, their product is harming people. Yeah. And there is no good thing about their product. Now, they'll say, oh, there is a good thing because progress depends on it and blah, blah. We all need energy and all that stuff. But the product that they are producing is harmful to the planet and the people on it. Yeah. So, yeah, so I have have limited sympathy, but I do understand how they get stuck in the... They get stuck in their own day-to-day face of what their reality is.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I think it's that thing as well of, like, nothing is... I think it's for people who maybe share that view as myself and like you obviously feel it too it's not black and white you're not you don't just hate them or you're not angry like you can have all of these other emotions around it but you have to pick (laughs) what's the most appropriate response here and it's not like I don't need to be like hey Bernard do you need to chat about your (laughs) like are you okay hon like that's not (laughs) the vibe I'm going with right now it's the hey you need to you need to cop on (laughs) Yeah. Like being polite so did you, about
0: it. So did you hear back from Bernard? I did,
1: Anna. And what did he say? So Then I got angry again, Anna. <laughs> oh dear. Why, did he tell you to feck off or what did he say? I got a very pleasant, very positive response from Bernard that I, as someone who works in communication, am well able to call bullshit on. I was like, <laughs> I know how this is written. I've written... I've written these responses myself. So, okay. I've never worked for BP or Shell or any of those companies, but I've written for companies who are covering their arses. I've done that, so I know. And I was like, I don't know how to respond to this. So, just to... So let me guess, he told you he understands your concern... So would, would I go through the message and break it down with you? So, oh, Anna, you're a great highlights. woman. You're a great woman for calling bullshit on things. So, <laughs> Bernard came back very politely. He said, Hi, Kira, thanks for taking the time to message me about this. Always especially good to hear from a fellow Irish person. I'm from Kenmare." <laughs> Humanising himself. Yes, I know, I know. <laughs> very nice. So all of a sudden you're sympathetic. Yes, exactly. Brilliant, Anna. This is exactly what I wanted. <laughs> I understand your concern. Let me see if see? I can help. We were the first major international oil company to set a clear net zero ambition and strategy when I took over in February 2020. We're aiming for net zero across operations, production and sales by 2050 or something or sooner. That's something we think is unique among our peers. Oh, uh, he said they're the best among their peers, but wait a minute, who are their peers? Yeah, their peers are
0: ExxonMobil, Shell, Chevron, other oil companies. so that is not a high bar to set. okay.
1: Okay, so he goes on then to say, and that's, I, I'm just reminding myself that the question I asked him is what they're doing to prevent these carbon bombs. Okay, so then he says there's plenty going on and you can find more at our Transformation Hub. Transformation Hub, oh my God. Yep. <laughs> I just, that word is something I would write and hate myself. Um, and I hope that helps explain what we're doing and gives you some confidence that, oh God, herange and I hope that helps explain what we're doing and gives you some confidence that when I say we're all in I mean it. B. Full yeah. stop. <laughs> I yeah So like We're all in. Am I correct in thinking he has not answered me at all about the carbon bombs? Uh, I didn't hear an answer about the carbon bombs. No. Right. I'm going to text him back. So, and what about uh, the carbon bombs? Love? Well
0: what about the carbon bombs? What about the subsidies that you're taking from governments? Oh, Anna, I'll just go one topic at a time. <laughs> <laughs> what about the fact that you're continuing to extract oil and gas and you've got new projects planned? They were in the top 10. They're still one of the top 10 companies planning carbon bombs. And if you remember, the definition of a carbon bomb was that it's going to pu- a project that's going to pump at least 1 billion tons of CO2 emissions over their lifetime. So Bernard, are you going to stop any of those projects? But how did you how did you, what was your first reaction when you got his response? I mean, what what went through your mind or
1: how did you feel? I just was speechless. I was like, and not because I didn't have something to say, just because I was like, "Ah, I don't know how to respond to this. It's so frustrating. I was like, I know, I can see through it, but I don't know how to call you on it. Yeah,
0: you have to trust your own instincts and your own reactions and you're reacting in an authentic way and you have to trust that.
1: Right. Like, I just, I don't need to have the response that they gave me there from BP. I don't need all this big flowery language. I don't need all this scientific. I can just call bullshit and be like, you know, if that's how I have to do it, that's how I have to do it. And it's a great confidence booster if you're trying to move towards being an angry angry person <laughs>
0: <If you want. laughs> yeah. so in your in your evolution to be being an angry person <laughs> she we're says so we're glad laughing. you are
1: laughing we're so glad
0: you joined us kira we need more angry people in the world we do and we need and so that's why it needs to be on the front pages and the media need to have everyone to help us have everyone wake up and be angry and yeah. take action so,
1: absolutely and that's a really important part of it so let's bring down bp and Let's all go to Khmer and have a sh- closing down BP party. Ah, <laughs> oh, brilliant! That's great, Kira. I look forward to hearing more installments of the your uh, love letters to Bernard. <laughs> this will be a segment onto its own. It'll be like you know when friends are texting about what a guy said. It'll be like you know I and mean? like, <laughs> what did Bernard say to you, Kira? <laughs> but what does he mean when he says car- his heart keeps beating for carbon bombs? <laughs>
0: Okay, well, I think we'll leave it there with Kira and Bernard. We'll look forward to more of that journey. And that is it from the news roundup for this week. Still to come on this week's episode, we have the Book of Leaves, we have Birdwatch Ireland, and we have Connecting Cabra all coming up. But first, we have our Irish Enviro event guide with lots of
1: interesting events as always, so stay tuned for that.